Welcome to Reconnect with Plant Wisdom. I'm your host, Tigrila Gardenia, nature-inspired mentor and leadership coach. In this podcast, I share ancient and modern knowledge from biology to spirituality about the wondrous ways in which plants can help you lead a naturally conscious life. Hello, hello, everyone. Welcome back to another episode of Reconnect with Plant Wisdom. This is me, Tigria Gardenia. I am, oh, I know I use the word excited a lot, but that's what I get. I get excited. I get happy. I get all like dancey because today we are going to be talking to Veronica Chortis, one of my amazing clients and collaborators. She is a branding specialist and a designer, and she is a website designer of Wonderlust Custom Design. And we are talking about an extremely important topic because it's a topic that, well, you'll hear it at the very beginning. It's one of those that really frustrates the hell out of me when I hear, which is people, especially multi-potentialites with so many amazing creative talents who tell me passions, don't pay the bills. Yeah, well, we're going to dispel that myth today. Passions most definitely pay the bills, and Veronica is the perfect example of that. So I look forward to hearing your thoughts on my conversation with Veronica Chortis. Hello, hello, Veronica. I am just, oh, I've been waiting to have this conversation with you. So really waiting to have this conversation with you. So something that we talked about a long time ago sort of caught my attention. And I thought of all the people to have this conversation with, Veronica is the one. But before we start, I want you to tell people who is Veronica Chortis? Oh, that's a loaded question. <laughs> Who's Veronica in this moment? Where is Veronica in this moment? And the question, that question will become obvious in a minute. So where I am physically is in Vancouver, uh, in the Great White North, and I am from Ohio, and it's always been a dream of mine to travel the world, so I'm making that a reality. So who, who is Veronica? Um, Veronica is a seeker, an artist, a musician, a former yoga instructor, still practice yoga as well. Uh, there's so many aspects to who Veronica is that it's difficult to to define, really. <laughs> uh, a multi-potentialite is probably the best word. <laughs> that probably is. I, I would say that. <laughs> yeah. So I wanted to invite you in this conversation because today we really are going to dive deep into the whole idea and this myth this myth that has been propagated all over the place that says that passions don't pay the bills. Oh, oh, <laughs> that along with master, you know, the whole like jack of all trades, master of none. Those are probably the two things like the two idioms or whatever they are that I just can't stand like for so many reasons. So you, similar to me, were multi-potentialites. You and I have worked together now a long time, both as my client as well as collaborators, right? Because you are mm -hmm. my web designer and my branding expert. I mean, my whole brand exists thanks to you. But before that, I want you to go back in time. And I want I would love for it to hear a little bit more about when did you start to realize that you were a person that had a lot of passions, like kind of more than your average folk? 
I would say pretty young. So I was brought up in a large family that did not have a lot of money. So all of my hobbies and interests, I always had to choose one at a time. And it was soccer and baseball and sports and and all of those things. But also I really, like when you asked me from when I was five years old, what do you want to be when you grow up? I would always reply an artist. So I wanted to take art lessons. I wanted to do gymnastics. I wanted to, um, I would tinkered on the piano and was playing music very young. So all of these things always were very interesting to me. And because my parents were always like, choose one, we can't, we can't do music lessons and have you travel for soccer or, you know, so I always had to pick one at a time. Um, and eventually mu music became the main path for me through my youth. By the time I was 10, um, I was learning the French horn and became very good at it pretty quickly. I was first chair by the time I was um, in seventh grade, from fifth, fifth to seventh grade. So I was first chair and, and I was in district um, orchestras and all that kind of stuff and traveled with, with the with my high school orchestra. <clears throat> I was also invited to tour Europe with a youth orchestra, but I could not do that because my, sorry, mom, <laughs> my parents couldn't afford it. <laughs> you know, so that was, that was something that has always been like in the back of my mind, like I didn't get to go to Europe, you know, <laughs> but um, I think that probably started the travel bug for me was in high school touring with, the orchestra and the band, we, we went all over the United States playing in different competitions and things. So that was uh, something that I really loved. I can imagine. I, and so mm -hmm. did you ever feel like if you think about it, you were, you know, you're finishing up high school, you're getting ready to go to college. What did you study? What did you major in at university? I made, I majored in music. Um, music performance? Yeah, I have a bachelor's degree in music performance on the French horn. And it was something that I was really struggling with the decision because I was drawn to graphic design as well. I was in art classes in high school, too. And um, I wanted to do graphic design because it not only did it interest me, but I also um, felt like it was more practical <laughs> because, you know, it's it's something that's very easy, easily, uh, you can make money at it in our society, you know, with, 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 uh, you know, commercials and all that kind of stuff. But I was encouraged by teachers and my parents to stick with music because I was better at it than art, but maybe because I was actually getting private lessons and more focused on it at the time. Right. Um, so that's what I ended up getting my bachelor's degree in. And then, I, and then I eventually went for my master's in music history and literature because I had the idea that I would be a college professor. That didn't quite pan out. <laughs> well, it kind of panned out. I mean, you do teach a class. Yes, I do. I do. I teach for a community college. Yeah, online. So it depends. I still do that. Yeah. <laughs> well, did you find, I'm surprised, I have to admit, I'm, I'm actually surprised to hear that your parents encouraged, you know, a bachelor's degree in music performance with the French horn. 
considering the fact that, you know, most parents, when they come, again, no offense to any of our parents, but when I also have a music degree, as you know, mine's music engineering and electrical engineering, but my brother, mm. especially, was totally tried to convince me to go out of it. He was like, you should study. He had studied civil engineering, which is funny because he never used his degree ever. And I used my degree a lot. But it was funny because he was like, why would you ever go to study music? I mean, my I first thought I was going to be in jurisprudence. So we're not even going to go down that route. But, you know, I also had so many interests. I was in like lots of different clubs, theater and math and uh, social studies. I was a silver knight in South Florida for, for social studies, actually, even though math at the time was my like most important thing. And here I was going into like philosophy and sociology and stuff like that. And then I switched gears completely into the world of music. And my mother and my family were like looking at me going, what the hell are you doing? And my brother and particular was like you should get a call you should get an engineering degree because then you know you can fall back on it if anything you should need so i'm surprised that your family actually encouraged you to do something like french horn in a performance degree well i think that is something that my parents are a little different with um my dad is has tends to be more practical so he was like why don't you do music education because you can always teach you know and I did actually start off with that major when I was a freshman. I was a music education major. And then I realized like, I don't want to be a band director. <laughs> I had no desire Fair. to do marching band, like just not my favorite thing. Um, so I switched my sophomore year to performance and my mom is a frustrated artist. Um, well, poet to be artist meaning like creative, you know, mm -hmm. Uh, she actually has degrees in science and religion, but never got to explore that writing piece of her. So I think that's why she encouraged all five of us to pursue. All five of us are in the arts in some way, music or my sister's a photographer, you know, that kind of thing. So I think she really kind of pushed that, do, do your passions, do your passions. And my dad, my dad had always said, um, follow the path of the heart because all paths lead to the same place. So he was always like someone that always encouraged us to follow the heart. Even though he would he would say like, we'll do education. <laughs> Just because you know, you want to make some money. So he always had that like little piece underneath it. But um, both of them were very, very supportive in, in everything. So that's a huge gift. I mean, my yeah. mom was was worried about paying for college. And so she was like, I remember we were we were sitting down at the table my senior year of high school. And my mother was like, okay, let's have a conversation about what schools you can apply to based on how much we could, you know, can afford. And I was like, absolutely not. I was so headstrong. I was like, absolutely not. I am going to apply to all the schools I want to go to, and we will find a way to find the money. Like I will scrounge for scholarships. I will do whatever it takes. Don't worry about it. We will figure it out. And I was just like, and she was like, all right, whatever you do it, you do you. And it was my brother who was the other one that was like, no, no, no type of thing. So how do you go from, here's my question. You, you graduate music degree, you go and you get this, you know, somewhat sensible, uh, master's degree, and then you go out into the wild world. Now, when I met you, you were working for your parents' business, if I remember correctly. Mm -hmm. So somewhere in there, you had years of exploration. 
what directions do you take? I mean, we hear it all the time, especially if, as, as a fellow, you know, school of music, there's this weird balance in the school of music of, of like trying to be practical. So even though you're highly, enc- I don't know about the school you went to, but I went to the university of Miami and highly encouraged to be extremely experimental and, you know, on the cutting edge while you're in school. But then as you're getting close to graduation, it's like, let's be really practical. Where are you going to get a job? And, you know, whether there was the performance majors that were going into orchestras or, you know, the people who were going into schools or myself who ended up like I interviewed for the FBI, I actually was offered a job doing audio video forensics for the FBI. So um, <laughs> yeah. I turned it down to go into software, which was actually highly uh, on the cutting edge. I mean, at the time it was like the internet, we were, we were at the bubble. I'm not going to date myself, but the bubble was growing and it was really at the cutting edge. You didn't know where it was going to go. It was, it was hit or miss. And we had to have big conversations in my family between the stability of the FBI, where it would be one job for the rest of my life and where I knew how I was going to get paid and what the scale was going to be and how my progression was going to be. And after a rigorous six month you know, whole kind of uh, FBI background check seeks, uh, what is it? I forgot the name of the clearance that I had, but whatever, it was one of the second levels of clearance. And then all of a sudden it oh, top, like top something clearance. I don't remember what it was called. And then all that for me to say, nope, I'm going to software. My mom was like, what, what do you mean? I'm like, I'm moving across the country to go to, to go work for an internet company that could like fold tomorrow type of thing. But there was a part <laughs> of me that knew that I had to, it was a, you know, I went to work for, at the time it was called Progressive Networks, changed the name to Real Networks. Most people don't know, but most of the audio and the video that we rely on nowadays comes from Real Networks technology. It was really completely fundamental to what was the audio and video revolution online. So I was staying in the creative arts in my mind. My mind calculated that it was a technical company with a corporate job, with all of the corporate benefits, stock options, so a little bit on the cutting edge. And at the same time, it was creative. It was in music and it was in audio and video online. And so I sort of had this this deep sense of, okay, I'm taking a risk, but but it's not risky. You know, like there was a part of me that really understood that the risk wasn't really that risky. I don't know how, because... I eventually did go to one of those software companies that folded, like show up at work and it's all closed and you can't get in and they're like (laughs) letting everybody off. So I did end up in one of those situations, but I always sort of had this feeling that, that the next opportunity was going to present itself. How did you kind of ride the waves of your passion? How did you, how did you really feel like I can take these risks and go into these creative aspects and I'm going to have food on the table? Well, I got married young. <laughs> so uh, when I, I actually got married right the same year that I graduated with my bachelor's degree. And my personal life, as far as uh, relationships, have had a big impact on the major decisions that I've made. So I didn't go to the schools that probably would have given me a better hold on on being successful as a music performer because they were too far away from my boyfriend. (laughs) (laughs) 
So like I had, I actually had schools contacting me to apply to go there, like Ohio State and uh, the Cincinnati Conservatory of Music and Baldwin Wallace, um, which were all pretty close to where I'm from, um, but not close enough, you know. And Youngstown State actually has a, a really like renowned jazz program, but French horn isn't really part of jazz. Um, and not that the Danish School of Music is a bad school. It's not at all. It's a great school. That's where I got my master's degree. But I actually went for my um, bachelor's degree at the University of Akron. And the main, the two main factors that made me go there were one, it was close enough to my boyfriend, and two, I really connected with the professor there. Um, and he was an old hippie. <laughs> so he was also very much like follow your passions kind of person, you know. So I think that that was just instilled in me. Um, once, I really wish that the university would have had more practical applications, like what you were saying. How do you approach um, auditions and, you know, how do you find them, first of all? Now it's much easier with the internet, but again, I'm dating myself. I remember when I, I was like, I don't want an email account. I never, I'll, I'll never use it. And now that, that's like what I do. <laughs> so it's really funny how things have changed. But uh, I was resistant to a cell phone as well. Um, but at that time, it was difficult to find like what orchestras are seeking, especially French horn. There's only four, maybe five in an orchestra. So it's a limited, limited position. It's not like the string section where there's tons of strings, you know. Um, so I really do wish they would have had more practical application like that, but you're right in that they encourage that, that expression and that, that creativity and like my senior performance, I actually wrote all of my own music and worked with, with an artist where the sculptures were instruments that I wrote for and, and we played, we played the sculpture and I played the French horn and it was music that was all like original. So that that creativity has always been something that I've needed to express. Uh, getting married and having a child, um, of course you wanted, I wanted more stability. So that's why I decided to do the master's degree in something that was potentially more stable. <laughs> uh, it was very nice to have uh, a husband that was working and allowed me that freedom of, of exploring different things. And at the same time, I had many odd jobs to help pay the bills. So while I was trying to find out exactly which path I'm supposed to be on, you know, I got certified in yoga and Reiki and was on a spiritual journey and was exploring um, music therapy possibilities or the things of that nature, all the while um, still being very interested in, in art. And, and I always have sketched and drawn and done that sort of thing too. I taught myself the uh, graphic design programs and all of that sort of thing. I didn't have cool jobs like you. <laughs> I worked like in a shoe store and in a bank. <laughs> Um, I, I worked for a industrial company, which is where I learned web design and marketing. So like, every, but all those skills that I've had, oh, I was a child therapist for a while. 
Um, so all these odd jobs that at the time was like, I'm just taking these jobs just to be able to pay the bills. They've, they've all given me specific skills that I use now, which is really interesting. And I'm going to take a short break right now because I want to bring you one of our eco-conscious business partners. It's thanks to them that this podcast exists and to all the amazing work. Purchase new wiper blades from O'Reilly Auto Parts today and we'll install them for free. See better and drive safer with O'Reilly Auto Parts. Oh, 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 O'Reilly Auto Parts. I think that that's actually something that a lot of people don't realize where what I hear this from a lot of multipotentialites and it, it so much is a frame of reference. I, I also actually had a lot of different types of jobs um, I just kind of made them cool in the sense of I found a way to convert everything that I was doing into something towards where I wanted to be. That was the way that my mentality was. So when I graduated from college, I grad, um, since I was in the middle of that FBI kind of background check, which took, like I said, six months, I, um, I ended up working at a CD pressing plant and I was working the night shift. But my theory was, you know, I was working on the software that, you know, on the software that you would use to edit music and to edit audio, which is what I was going to be doing for the FBI anyway. And, you know, I was listening to all this amazing music. So I was staying in the music scene. As a matter of fact, even in college, I actually did three different internships. I did internships with a band as a management. I did internships at a radio station being a radio engineer. And I did an internship with, um, I was actually the second engineer to REM when they did the Monster album. So I was in a, in a recording studio. And I did that because I wanted that practical application. I wanted to, as you know, as, as, as both your, you know, your coach and mentor, my big thing is helping people integrate into their lives exactly whatever it is that they've learned, whatever they're experiencing, whatever it is. How does it become a part of your life? And so this was something where I was when I was in college after my in my sophomore year, I went up to my professors and I was like, this is all cool what we're learning. But how do I apply it in life? And that was why I started to do the internships. <laughs> And so I kind of took that approach to everything that I did. So when I worked in a bar as a bouncer or, you know, when I was I was training for events that I eventually was producing or when I was, you know, whatever, working at my friend's, um, whatchamacallit, uh, dry cleaning store, it was, you know, to learn how to deal with people coming in and out. I don't know. I would just create this sort of scenario and made it look that way. And I found that to be something that helped me bounce. So the thing that I found really interesting and what I still find very interesting and what I work with a lot with my clients, as you know, is that when you take a step back and you look at all of those what seem odd jobs that you've taken, there's an mm -hmm. arc to them. There's a storyline mm -hmm. there. There's a set of skills. Like you said it perfectly. I was taking an industrial job. You're not focusing on all the stuff you did relating to the industrial part, but you're like, that's where I learned the software. And then I focused on that. And I took this job over here and that's when I learned this skill. And so you focus on the skills that you want or that you need in order to continue the arc. And I think that that's the difference when people try to tell me, oh, well, you know, you jump from job to job to job. But I'm like, actually, no, I took jobs and job and job and job and will continue to take jobs and do jobs and jobs and jobs because each one of them builds on maybe not in the traditional trajectory of I worked in a bank my entire life, 
but they do in a trajectory of my life experiences in order and, and trusting my instinct to get me where I need to go. You said something yeah. interesting that, that I wanted to kind of tap into. You said, you know, I did some of these to like to pay the bills Taking a lot of these types of jobs and jumping around, I mean, at some point you got out of the marriage you were in, and I know you've traveled mm -hmm. quite a bit and you've, you know, to get to where you are today as that branding specialist, as that website designer and, and overall designer of so many things, you've, you've taken, you've traveled. I mean, there was a period when you were in Mexico, you were in Canada before when I first started to work with you, and then you moved mm -hmm. and then you've been in different parts of the U.S. and you've done lots of different things. How do you do all of that, countries, jobs, and all of these different skill sets, you know, the pieces? And how do you deal with the, the, the worry about the money? I mean, let's just be honest. How do you deal with the worry of the money? How do I deal with it? Uh, <laughs> that's an interesting question. I, I tend not to worry about it. I believe that what I need will be there. And it's not, it's not the how, um, it, it's really hard to, to explain. It's kind of a, I know my needs will be met. And at the same time, uh, I do recognize that I have a limiting belief with it, that I feel like there's, there's a cap of what I'm allowed to have, you know, but I also feel like there's a minimum of what I know I will have. And so I'm, I'm working at, at making that expand, you know, or move up maybe. Right. Um, is kind of how I'm looking at it. But it's something that um, in my marriage and even in my relationship now, I, I find that men have, have kind of a tendency to worry more about providing. And I don't know if that's a male-female thing, but, but the guys really worry about that more so than, than I ever have. And I've also been pretty darn broke. So I've been to the point where I've actually technically, technically was homeless, but never quite because I always had a very supportive family that let me move into their home, <laughs> you know? So I, I've been like flat broke, declared bankruptcy, all that kind of thing. And I survived. And I'm here and I'm still eating and I still have clothes and I still have a roof over my head. So I think that having those kinds of experiences and maybe even growing up in a family where, where money was always tight, you just realize like, that's not all you need. Um, that's kind of a different direction, but that's why I don't worry about it because I know it'll be there. That's right. kind and of... And I love that because I feel like, and actually somebody who watches you from the outside, right? It's when you're inside of it, what I love about that, that way of looking at it is has its positives and its negatives. Like what I've also noticed is that there's, like you said, there's this part that you know will always be there, right? That's the part that makes you feel safe and comfortable. And that's a safety that only can come from the inside. It doesn't come from any mm -hmm. other place. It comes from within and you feel it and, and just getting really comfortable and surrendering and understanding that, you know, you are always going to be taken care of. And that could be family, right? That could be friends, but that, that could be money that's coming in. What I have noticed, and this is the part that you probably don't see it as well as I see it, is the change in that 
that max, that max is a lot richer. We tend to think that it's like, oh, that max is, is really low, but it's actually not. It's actually there's, there's the transformation that happens. And I'm curious mm-hmm. as to whether or not how the plants have fit into this, like how have the plants really helped you understand that that max that you think is there is actually not really that low and actually has been rising you know, year after year and growing and growing in so many ways. And there's this richness that is not just the economic richness, because like you said, the universe provides the, the, the nature, you're a being of nature, you're resourceful, you know how to create in a way that feels good and comfortable and is aligned with the things that you are doing. So you know you can follow your creativity and like follow your heart, like your father says, to really take that and always know you're going to be taken care of. But that realization that, wait a minute, my life is actually so much more than that and that I'm actually being provided so much more than just that Mm -hmm. is, you know, where do the plants come in and helping you get there? It's The plants have been a secret partner for many many years for me from when i was a child i didn't even realize uh one i used to love to build forts in the woods and i would spend a lot of time with trees and things of that nature um my mom always had plants in the house and she would play music for them and talk to them as she cared for them so it's something that i grew up with but not really thinking that they were reciprocating that's something that I only have realized lately. And I'm not really sure if I can verbalize how that has affected me. It's difficult to put into words. It's more of an observation and an imitation. So seeing how maybe the plant retracts a little bit or lets go of things that doesn't serve so it doesn't serve key, maybe a leaf or uh, a, a branch. I don't need this anymore. I'm going to release it because it's not supporting the whole. Those sorts of things are things that I've observed and, and kind of applied to my business and my personal life. Um, as you mentioned, like my, my marriage ended. It wasn't a bad ending. It was just we were on different paths and this isn't serving either one of us anymore. And... We both are very active with our daughter. We're still friends. And it's not one of those ugly, messy situations because it doesn't have to be. We can live in tandem to each other, much like two trees would. <laughs> live next to each other and you know, uh, have those roots that support each other but don't need to in- intertwine, you know. So it's something that is more of a intuitive effect than it's been where I've directly, well, I've learned to directly observe and apply just within the past couple of years and working with you and things that we've learned and reconnect and all of that. But I, as observing over my life, I think it's something that I've always intuitively done, if that makes sense. It makes perfect sense. I mean, so much of this, especially, you know, as we go deeper and deeper, the words get harder and harder to find. I mean, Mm -hmm. that's the thing about reconnect with the plant kingdom and everything that we do inside of NCC, inside of the naturally conscious community is really about getting back in touch 
emotionally and physically to that nature, both inside and outside of us. Today, I was doing the live commentary that I do for the plant consciousness commentary. And I was, I was reading this amazing paper that, that it's more of like an essay type thing that, um, and we were going into the idea of this body movement of how you get in touch. And I know that for you, it's been, it's been the music, right? The music of the plants playing along with different plants and, and really using that as a form to reconnect, like you said, like what you learned in reconnect with the plant kingdom um, is to reconnect those, those bonds that are even more I don't know. It's like it reawakens inside of you that sense that that vegetality inside of you. And it helps you understand that an ecosystem is something that you make, not something that gets given to you. A plant doesn't Mm -hmm. make a choice as to where they are grounded. Right. That that plant is a seed. You know, there's only so much that the seed can actually move around at the very beginning. And even movement is is slow over time. And so the plant recognizes this is my environment. So what am I going to do to make the most of it? How do I process what's here? How can I, what do I need to create? What do I need to attract? What do I need to repel? How do I need to move with it? And I feel like your, your creativity, your, all these multiple passions are the exact same thing as everything that a plant has in a seed, right? It's all these different abilities to turn things on and off. And that seed makes conscious choices based on the environment. And then uses that not just to adapt to the environment, but to adapt the environment to key. And I feel Mm -hmm. like that's really the the skill that multi-potentialites embrace in order to, you know, move from that, you know, jack of all trades, master of none, but to master of all, right? To really feeling like I can use all of my talents and through different phases of your life, you know, like you said, you might have relied more on the music when you were a little younger and and you might have tapped more into the drawing perspective in another place and you might have moved into the spirituality for one aspect and your communication skills and your, you know, color theory and this piece and that piece and all of these different skill sets that are all the, the possibilities that a plant has that you turn on and off throughout the course of your life. And, and I find myself, and I see this a lot with my clients, that the deeper you, you work with plants to reawaken that vegetality, the more conscious all of this becomes. And mm-hmm. you don't have to force yourself to think like, you know, I have to be disciplined enough or I have to really focus on, you know, using my skills in one way. But it becomes more of this this dance, this flow that comes in and out. Yeah, I completely agree with that. (laughs) And what's what's really funny is years ago, I designed a tattoo that uh, just for the sake of it, not really intending to ever get it. But it was right after my marriage broke up and everything and I was kind of blossoming on my own and I really hadn't gotten on this particular path I'm on now which is more design focused and uh, more visual art focused but the tattoo was a tree 
and in the tree was a symbol for art and a symbol for music and a symbol for uh what was the other one there was three i think i had peace in there and love so like there was like family references and things like that and i think that's sort of how i view um all of the potential that is in within me but within every person is their branches of what of what you of potential basically i don't know that's just something that came to my mind as you were talking like i actually drew that years ago and maybe that was the vision that i was having and not really knowing not really knowing what it was, you know? <laughs> right. Absolutely. Wow. And, and that's what we do too. I actually wanted a Kabbalistic tattoo. That was, I got to a place in my life on my Kabbalistic journey as a Kabbalah teacher and as a student. And I got to a place where I realized I really wanted a Kabbalah tattoo and mm -hmm. I couldn't figure out what I wanted. Like I kept trying to design it and draw it and it wouldn't work. And I was like, this is so weird because there was this internal desire many of my two tattoos have ritualistic um, components so there was a really deep desire to express that connection and at the same time nothing was coming about until i discovered that the first tattoo that i got when i was 18 is actually a kabbalistic tattoo the artist that designed <laughs> the the symbology around it used a kabbalistic symbolism and therefore i had it with me my entire time my entire life you know, has been with this tattoo as my core essence. And I was like, this explains so much about me and about how I, how I work on those things. And, um, and so I, I really love that. How do you feel today, kind of as we're wrapping up this conversation, um, how do you feel today about your relationship with money? Do your passions pay your bills? Yes, <laughs> I actually... I, get, I still teach music, as we mentioned earlier. So that's still something that I'm, it's, it's just flipped for me. It used to be that art was the hobby, drawing, and, and that was something I did on my own. And whatever odd job I had at the time was paying the bills, but music was my focus. Right. Um, so now it's flipped. Now music is kind of the hobby. I listen to it while I'm working. It's something that, I have to have these creative inputs in order to have creative output. So music is very important while I'm designing. And I love movies and things like that too. So all of those, those, like I just dig into all of that sort of stuff. And I exclusively do what I love. I don't have an odd job anymore. <laughs> <laughs> so I teach music and I get to design for people that I believe in what they do. And the spiritual journey is very important to me as well, but that's become more of a personal thing. At first I thought I would be someone that would be teaching or mentoring in that sort of way. But I realized that I am actually to support those people with my gifts. So I work with anyone that is in the creative or healing arts, mentors, spiritual mediums, uh, counselors, massage therapists, other artists, photographers, that thing of that nature, because I really feel like that is the path for humanity to up-level the consciousness, which is what we're all after. Well, it's what I'm after. Anyway. 
I love it. <laughs> Hopefully we're all after it. We're all after it. So where yeah. do people find out more about Veronica, about, about Veronica and Veronica's work? Uh, I have a website, of course. <laughs> it is uh, wonderlust.love. So W-O-N-D-E-R, like wonderlust, just a little play on words there. No and worries. .love, not, not .com. Um, <laughs> although I think you can still find it. And I'm also on Instagram and Facebook and LinkedIn. If you search for Veronica Chortis, I'm pretty much the only one out there. (laughs) (laughs) Well, I will be putting all the information in the show notes so that people can reach out to you. And seriously, if you are looking to create a brand identity or an amazing, beautiful, innovative, creative website, Veronica is the place to go. I mean, if it wasn't for her, everything you see, all the colors, everything that represents me, which she captures so beautifully, is all thanks to her genius, her ability to really take you on a journey to discover who you are visually is something that, well, you just have to experience. So if you've even been thinking about a website and thinking about going even beyond that and creating your entire look online or for you know books and you know podcasts and covers and whatever you might be working on, she's the person to contact. Thank you so much, Veronica. I, I am Thank really you. excited about getting this out to people. I think it's really important for all of us creatives and all multipotentialites to realize that it is the weaving together of their talents that really is our strength, not the individualization and the discipline of trying to separate them out one by one. And that you will always be supported when you follow your heart. Bye. Thanks for listening to this episode of Reconnect with Plant Wisdom. Intro and outro music by Steve Shuley and Poinsetta from The Singing Life of Plants. So join me, Tigrila Gardenia, and my plant collaborators next time on Reconnect with Plant Wisdom.